so he actually made the suggestion, hey, why don't you go back to Nashville over Christmas? There was going to be a vocation retreat. And I suspect that he thought that I would return to the mother house and realize, oh, this isn't for me. What was I thinking? Well, that's obviously not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Based on my experiences of getting to know and having great conversations with these wonderful disciples of Jesus, I'm guessing that if you've had similar encounters, you may have come away from them with two distinct impressions. First, I'll bet you were impressed by their holiness. I imagine that you saw the fruits of the Holy Spirit really obviously active in their lives. Maybe a sister just exuded joy. Maybe a brother embodied a profound peace. And if you're like me, you found this inspiration both motivating and challenging. Motivating because there was just something so enticing, so profound, yet simple in what you saw. And challenging because you realized just how far you had to go in the spiritual journey. Sometimes you might even have been tempted to think that their level of spiritual attentiveness was unattainable. But, in the same breath, I propose that you also found that they were human. There are things that bring them joy, but they have frustrations too. They have the whole gamut of family dynamics. They have passions and longings. They have a favorite movie a favorite food. These things, and just the simple fact that their God-given humanity shone through right alongside their God-graced holiness, means that, so very often, when I get to spend time with a religious brother or sister, I am inspired. Inspired to gratitude for their example to me and how I might seek to emulate them, confident of God's work in my life as well. It's almost like our religious sisters and brothers are signposts to the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. Well, today on the show, we're talking about the religious life, why it is, what it is, and what it means to you and your walk of faith. Joining us for the first time is Sister Maristella Vaughn. Sister Maristella has been a Dominican sister for 19 years and teaches ethics, religion, and art at John Paul II Catholic High School in Avondale, Arizona. Sister, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. Yeah, very good. Now, let us know about your your early life and your vocation story. Since this is your first time on the program, we'd love to get to know you. Okay, great. Well, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was born to a loving Catholic family. I was raised in the faith, and my parents gave me the opportunity to attend Catholic school. However, my best friends were Protestant when I was in high school, and I enjoyed going to their church because they had better music, I thought, <laughs> than we did. Yeah. And so little by little, my faith was really beginning to sway, and I didn't understand so many of the rich teachings of our Catholic faith. Thankfully, at that time, the Lord put a really dynamic teacher in my life. My junior year religion teacher in high school was a young man who went on to become a priest, And that year, he really challenged all of us to live for more than what society tells us we can do and be. And I was drawn by his, basically his proclamation of the gospel. I was drawn to our Lord through that. But as I was being drawn, many, many questions were rising up. So, okay, why do we Catholics have a Pope? What's the big deal with Mary? Why is this Eucharist so special? All these things that I had been presented with from my youth 
But, you know, as a teen, that's the moment where many young people have to come to terms with the faith on their own, not just because their parents have given it to them, but right. because it's, it's something that's important to me, you know? So thanks be to God, that teacher was willing to answer those questions, to stay after school, to, to let me grapple with things. And it was by the end of that year that I realized not only am I so blessed to be Catholic, but I long to do more. I long to be more. I want to be with the Lord in a very special way. I started to drive myself to daily Mass before school and just to seek out times of prayer and reflection. So I think that teacher saw in me a religious vocation before I did. And he was the one who asked me, it was the end of that school year, he said, hey, have you ever thought about the possibility of a religious vocation? And I said, what's that? (laughs) And he said, (laughs) he handed me a newsletter that day, actually, for my community, the Nashville Dominicans, or the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. And I saw for the first time these young, happy women, and I thought, what is this? I want more. I want to know more, you know? And something touched my heart that day. Looking back, I recognized it was the Lord. He was speaking to my heart and inviting me. But that touch was an invitation that said, stay open to this. Mm. Obviously, I was still young. I had another year of high school. But from that day, that stirring in my heart never really left me. Mm. After I graduated from high school, I asked my parents' permission to fly up to Nashville, where our mother house is, to visit. And I remember I just said, I'd like to go on a retreat. <laughs> my dad said, why do you have to go all the way to Nashville to go on a retreat? Aren't there retreats around here? <laughs> and I, I, just, I remember being too, I don't know, nervous, I guess, at the time to really broach the subject. So I just said, well, it's a special retreat, Dad. And so they permitted me to come. And while I was here for those couple of days it felt almost too good to be true. I was thinking as you gave your introduction to the show about the holiness of religious and the high standard, you know, I looked yeah. around at these women, some of them 80, 90 years old who have lived this life for decades. And I just felt like, Oh no, I couldn't be called to this. <laughs> you know, God calls holy people to this. I'm just an ordinary person. I like to go shopping. I like to go to the beach. I like boys. You know, and yeah. and as I wrestled with that kind of dichotomy between what I thought a religious was, who I, I knew I was, it just seemed like it couldn't be really for me. Mm. And yet, that tug never went away. So I began college that fall. I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And I kind of made a deal with God, <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> looking back, you know, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. great expression, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's right. But in my yeah. case, it wasn't even just telling about plans. It was, well, let's make a deal. <laughs> so <laughs> the, deal, <laughs> the deal went something like this. It was, okay, God, if you want me to be a sister, I'll be a sister, but let's keep it really simple. Let me graduate school in four years. Don't let me fall in love in the process. And then we'll talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the I like the caveat. You gave yourself an out there at the end, right? And then we'll talk yeah. about it. It's not like I'm in, we'll but chat. We'll, we'll, we'll chat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So the Lord in his mercy was just smiling and, and he knew what really would be much better. So mm. within just a matter of months, I had met a really, young, a really nice young man and was spending more and more time with him. And as a result, I was trying to push the thought of religious life further from my mind. But that wasn't working so well. I was becoming very restless. 
and my heart was become, I didn't realize, I couldn't articulate this at the time, but my heart was torn, you know? It was torn between this beautiful relationship that was at my fingertips and the stirring of religious life that wouldn't leave me alone. (laughs) And the young man knew that I had been to Nashville before starting at Franciscan University. So he actually made the suggestion, hey, why don't you go back to Nashville over Christmas? There was going to be a vocation retreat. And I suspect that he thought that I would return to the mother house and realize, oh, this isn't for me. What was I thinking? You know, and then I could return to college and just really let the notion of religious life go and then proceed with a relationship or whatever the future may bring, you know? Well, that's obviously not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I returned to Nashville with my intention to rule out this as a possibility. I thought, I want to go and figure out I'm not called to be a sister so I can go back to campus and and date and just have a normal college experience. Well, as soon as I walked in the door of the mother house that second time, the feeling of being home just washed over me. Mm. It's like I was stepping foot in a place that I had always been (laughs) destined for. You know, I was created to be here. I thought, whoa, 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 that's not why I came here. I came here to rule this out I came here to realize this is not where you're calling me, God. But over the course of those few days, because obviously I was still here for the next several days of retreat, I spent more time in silence. I spent time in the chapel. I spent time grappling really with this supernatural call to religious life and the natural desire that really every woman's heart is made for human love, marriage, motherhood. And with that possibility, very tangible, (laughs) you know, I was really grappling with these two realities. So on the last day of the retreat, I spoke to one of the sisters and I just told her, you know, I came here to rule this out, but the longer I'm here, the more at home I feel, the more drawn I feel, and I feel really torn. And as she listened, she was so patient and she was so wise. And she just helped me to realize that she said, you know, I'm not an army recruiter. I'm not here to get numbers. I'm just here to tell a young woman when I see in her the zeal and the love that it would take to give her heart to Jesus Christ. And I see that in you. And she said, of course, the vocation of marriage is good. It's noble. It's beautiful. And to those who are called to that, we need those holy marriages. But she said, for those who are called to leave all to follow Jesus Christ, there is no greater gift. And she said, why don't you just spend this last night in the chapel? We were going to have a holy hour that night. And she said, why don't you go before the Lord tonight and just say, Lord, I'm not here to tell you my plans. I'm here to hear your plans. Mm -hmm. And so when I did that and I just let down this guard of uh, what I thought would bring me the most happiness, it was in that quiet time of adoration that I just heard not a voice, you know, people always want to know, well, what was it like? It wasn't neon lights or something. It was just that still small voice that we hear about in the scriptures where in my heart, I just knew that these words were being spoken to me. Come be my bride. There was a very pious looking girl kneeling right beside me. (laughs) And for a second, I thought, surely that was for her. (laughs) You missed, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it was like the Lord had to pull me back to him and say, no, look at me. This is for you. Come be my bride. 
I was shocked at how those few days unfolded, but I left that retreat with an application to enter that fall. I did the very difficult thing of going back to campus and breaking off that relationship. It was also challenging to tell my family. They could see it coming, but um, they didn't expect it so soon. And I'm the only girl in my family, so that was an added difficulty for my mom, who, you know, always dreamed that I would have children of my own and so forth. So anyhow, I uh, walked through those next few months, and I entered the religious life in August of 2004. Wow. Well, sister, thank you for that story. It's just so, so moving. And all the way through, you can see how God has been calling you. But, you know, one of the things that I saw happening there that you gave testimony to individual after individual who played a role in that who thinking like the young man who said, why don't you go back? Why don't you go back to the mother house? Right. You know, get some clarity on this. Or was it the vocations mm-hmm. director who said, you know, well, I see it in you. And yeah. we need holy marriages, yes, but I see it in you. I mean, th- those that God uses these conversations, maybe even the person who first said to you, have you ever considered a vocation to the religious life? So I guess my yeah. question is, I mean, especially I think uh, many of us who are laymen and women who are listening to the show would want to know, well, what should we be looking for in terms of maybe this person has a call to the religious life? What are some clues for us? Mm, That's a great question. I think in every vocation story, a common thread, although each story will be unique, obviously, because it's about a relationship and relationships are unique, but there's a common thread that runs through all of these stories of priests and religious, and that is a desire for our Lord and the Eucharist. So our Lord is drawing the human heart to himself in a multitude of ways, but the closest he can be to us in this lifetime is through the Eucharist. And so you see it time and time again where there's a young person who just wants to stay for a few extra minutes after Mass or wants to get to Mass early to pray. Or, you know, their family's going on vacation and they're the first ones to say, well, where are we going to go to Mass while we're there? (laughs) You know, or it may be Scripture. Also, Scripture can be a big draw. You know, if you notice a young person who maybe carries a Bible while other young people would say, gosh, that's a burden, you know, that might be a sign, well, this is a person who thirsts for the Lord. (laughs) And where is that thirst coming from? It's not our initiative. The Lord is always the one who invites to religious life, to anything good and holy. The one who is being drawn in a particular way will probably stand out. I can remember people at my parish when I was young noting things in me that I thought were just normal, but they would say to my mom, don't be surprised if she becomes a religious. And I would laugh it off. Oh my gosh, you know. (laughs) But sure enough, those were signs. Well, what were they? I wanted to go to daily mass during the summer, you know. I was willing to teach Sunday school when the rest of my friends were involved in a diocesan youth retreat, which was way more fun, but I felt drawn to teaching. Okay, now I'm a Dominican, you know, <laughs> so it's like these little things that at right. the time that seemed totally normal. Of course, I want to teach second grade Sunday school while I'm a senior in high school. But looking back, I can see, no, that's extraordinary. That was the Lord preparing me <laughs> for the future that he had destined for me. So I think others are usually more aware of the special things happening in the young person's life before the young person even is. So I would just encourage all listeners to ask the Holy Spirit, do you want me to say something to this young person? How can I encourage her or him? You know, is there some way I can support this person? Because there may be a concrete way that that person 
needs that help and assistance at that time in his or her life.